Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Dan Selke and Corey Thone, and we're hoping that Corey Smith will join us later. All right, so let's get right into it. Um, HBO has announced and confirmed that we're getting a Game of Thrones prequel that is not Blood Moon, and Dan, let's talk about it really quick. It is House of the Dragon. Uh, how excited are you for this? I am at a 7.5, David. I'm pretty good. Oh, that's I mean, pretty neat. God, last week was, it really, honest to God, was a crazy week for news because there was that crazy panel Benny Off and Weiss did a kickoff week, and I was like, this will be the big story for this week. And then there was, they left Star Wars, and then Blood Moon got canceled, and then House of the Dragon got announced, and then HBO Max revealed all its things. Like, God, it was absolutely, if you work, in what is the Game of Thrones news business, which does exist, apparently. <laughs> uh, it, 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 was a, it was a pretty crazy week. Um, I thought it was very smart, by the way, that they canceled the one prequel, The Thousand Years Ago, Naomi Watts, Star Man, or something. Um, and then people were freaking out about it. And then, like, a couple hours later, they were very smart. They changed the narrative, and they're like, but not only are we ordering a prequel all about the Dance of the Dragons... We are ordering it straight to series. Like, there's no pilot. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's huge, I think. Like, we're, we, we're going to see this show. Like, this isn't a wait for a pilot, and it might be good or bad, and we approve it. It's, this is happening. Like, we're getting a season. And I honestly don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. And I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Like, are they doing what they should have done in the first place and getting the Game of Thrones thing out there. And it is a good story that answered the dragons. I mean, it's, yeah. it's complete. That's nice. Um, we are not going to be waiting on source material for it. Uh, or are they going into it too fast? Are they like, are they rushing to stop the bleeding from the blood moon cancellation by ordering that... a full season of something brand new? That, to be fair, I do want to watch pretty badly, because I do think it's a really good story. Probably the best story in George R. R. Martin's, like, uh, prehistory, which is very extensive. So, yeah. what do you think, David and Corey Thone? Yeah, I was going to ask, okay, so Thone, when, when this happened, I saw a lot of tweets from a lot of people that are kind of in the business, you know, people who write uh, for other sites and, and for different... Um, you know, news sites and stuff, and they were freaking out, going, "Yeah, this is HBO stopping the, you know, stopping the, the bleeding by by going full full series with uh, an untested show." What do you think about that, phone? Like, I'm I, I'm in the, I'm kind of in the middle here. I'm very excited that we're getting a show about the House of the Dragon, and they picked a time period where there's a fuckload of dragons. This isn't just like three dragons like we had on Game of Thrones. Like, there is a lot. We could call it a fuck ton of dragons. So, Howard, what do you think about this film? Yeah, I, I was rather surprised whenever it was announced because they had cast some pretty substantial names in the other oh, show. God. Yeah. I mean, Naomi Watts obviously is a star internationally. Um, yeah. She honestly might be bigger worldwide than she is in America, if that makes sense. Uh, I, but I agree. But she's I not. I mean, no. But, it's just like she she's not that she's not well known in America, but like she right. she's almost like an international seems. I don't know. I, I could be just full shit there. But right. anyway, like, I, go ahead. I was going to say that I am and all have been for a long time an honest to God, Naomi Watts super fan. I, oh. That might sound a little odd, but I love her. I saw her in Mulholland Drive 2001. I thought she was absolutely tremendous. I saw her in 21 Grams. I thought she was great in King Kong. I really do like her a lot. Eastern Promises um, is one of gosh, my favorites. She was so good in that. Very subtle performance in that. She's great. So I, I am sad we're not going to see her. But maybe we will. Because, I mean, she could be a Targaryen. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that. When it comes to the Targaryen thing, I think that there is excitement, obviously, to be had. Because what's more fascinating than the Dragon Riders, right? But um, for casual fans... Yeah. Let's let's be honest. This is not uh this is not the show that hardcore 
David and Dan, I'm talking about you guys, nerds, would have gotten the biggest boner for. Uh, I'm not I saying not saying you don't have not saying you don't have a super chub for this sh- idea, but I'm saying that they could have done like I know that David would have shit his pants for like a Dunkin' Egg one off or something. Like one hundred percent yes. So but in terms of thing like I'm not trying to start an argument about what Dan and Benioff, Benioff Weiss, whatever they call themselves, D and D said, but this does feel like a move that's to cater more toward NFL players and moms than hardcore fantasy nerds because dragons, as much as they are a fantasy element, are universally accepted as being badass. So, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited for it. Am I going to watch it? Assuredly. Um, the people that they have attached to it to create it make it worth investing time in. I think. Sure. So, Poshnik, it's nice. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm a little worried because it's. It sounds like it's going to be CGI dependent to some degree. If it's going it to be just dragon fighting, yeah, and that's that's worrisome because Game of Thrones had the biggest budget in TV history, True. and 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 the two dragons they they were like, oh, these dragons like, what if we just dimmed this episode and then said we didn't do it and <laughs> called everybody assholes about it? But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, I mean, they they showed okay. they decide they had to make a decision. Okay, here's our CGI budget. We can't show Ghost, the wolf, because we got to show the dragons. So, you know, you're right. There's a fucking I I mean, you could say that they they do have a lot of dragon know-how, probably more than any studio in history at this point to uh, to make dragon stuff. And I mean, I do disagree with you, Corey, a little bit about hardcore people not having a boner for this story. I mean, honest to God... When I heard they were doing prequels, I figured this has got to be the one they do. Because it's, I, and I know that you're not like you're not a a hardcore boner having super fan for the for the series. But David, would you agree with me that like the Dance of the Dragons, it's just it's just the most TV ready. Like from yeah. the jump, it has a great large cast of characters. It has a lot of well defined events. Like, it, it has a lot of things that you could just write into a climax of episode nine. They yeah. would just fit in there perfectly. It has, like, a, lot, it has like a good mix of characters. It's has, it has two sides. That's <laughs> so crucial. We're not going to be waiting for the Winds of Winter to, like, be completed. Like, this story is, for better or worse, like, it has a beginning, middle, and end already. And it's, it's, it's full of, like, drama, betrayal, sex. Uh, violence, Six. like you know, good, good, just good TV stuff. Can it just I, seems so obvious. I, just, I to need, me. I need someone to clip out. David, I guess you can do it. Just Dan saying sex, and that's going to be my text tone. <laughs> like <laughs> there was so, there was so much passion in that. Like I'm, I, you're turning me into a believer. Like it's, I haven't it's heard a you. really passionate story. Yeah, I mean, like we, we, we could like say what happens. We'd be here for a while. Just I, I will say I was I was genuinely surprised when they didn't go for it first. I was like, really, thousands of years before? Okay, like untested, like, and I I, I do really think that it, it's the kind of story that will appeal to newcomers because it, it's so kind of easy to get into, and you know it, it has a lot of like the betrayals and dynamics that made Game of Thrones a success. Yeah. But also, it's a story that hardcore people ha- like want to see a lot. I think. Yeah, and if you're a casual fan, you can just slide right into the show because let me tell you what they chose. Because you know, the House of the Dragon, they could have gone with Aegon the Conqueror coming to Westeros. They could have gone with um, his son Magor the Cruel fighting the the Faith sure. Militant. They could have gone with a whole bunch of different uh, timelines. But what they decided to do is they chose the Dance of the Dragons. Because it's the best story. Yeah, it's the best story. You've got two it's sides. It's the longest you got, story. You got the, the greens versus did. the blacks. You the green versus the blacks. Mm-hmm. You've got so 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 you're gonna have people standing for for like Aegon the second, and then Rhaenyra Targaryen. Yeah, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Nettles is going to be a a folk hero. I'm calling it now. Oh, people are gonna fucking stand Nettles so Zendaya hard. Zendaya should play her. I do. I'm telling you right now, and we're we're just so gonna dream cast this and put yeah. it out there. But you know, there's a lot of like you've got House Stark comes into like comes in to help House Targaryen and Craig. Yeah, Craig and the, the the leader of House Tar- House Stark comes in. His name is Craig, 
and he he first sends a bunch of old men and uh, and bastards from the north to ride in, and when they come in, they're they're riding like shaggy horses because the horses there are all have, you have to have shaggy horses to survive the winter. So they come up in rusted mail and and dented armor, and they lead that they're like the lead the of the art of the army attack. They always lead the attack, and their their leader. <laughs> is a um I forget house it might be Bolton. I forget if, if he was Bolton or not, but their leader, they're called the Winter Wolves. And he st- he like he survives like four or five battles and it takes like half an army to kill him when he finally dies. And when he dies he's basically singing. He's like he goes in like missing an arm and he's still swinging a sword around. That's what that you're gonna have barbarians from the north come in and fight for House, Tar- House uh, Targaryen, which is amazing. And then at the very end of, of the dance, Craig Stark himself comes down from the north and becomes Hand of the King for a day and chops everybody's head off and then gives the crown to the to the rightful ruler. I mean... Well, and then he... well and I mean, and like that's like the, you know, the big action stuff. There's also lots of interpersonal stuff, too. There's lots of oh, characters. There there's lots of romance, drama. It just has a lot. So... Yeah, I, I was always confused why they didn't go for it first, and I guess that might be the reason why they decided to not even bother with the pilot and just go straight to series. I just hope they're not uh, jumping the gun. The potential is definitely there if they can do it right. Um, and we'll just see how ready and willing they are and how ready and willing the audience is to um, invest again in this world. And Sappho's the showrunner, isn't he? Yeah, he's co-show running with a dude named Ryan Condal. Condal, yeah. I don't know. I mean, when you like, when you got Seppo attached to this. Everybody who knows, like, all the Battle of the Bastards, Hard Home. Um, he did the Winds of Winter, right? Yeah, he did. I mean, he so he's got he's got battle experience, and he's got subtle subtle experience. Like, he, you know, the Winds of Winter wasn't all battle. It was. An explosion of the crypt, basically. There was no battles in the winter. Winter, winter, winter. So oh, yeah. he's got he's got all that experience, and he's coming from Game of Thrones to a Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. So that's exciting too. That is good. They'll have to hire, I think, a a writers' room uh, that probably what it, it, it's not going to be like two people just and they're the only writers on it. I'm guessing it's going to be a little more traditional. But I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm I calling. I'm excited. calling it now. I'm calling it now. You're gonna hear news when they announce the writers, the writers' room, because I agree with you that Brian Cogman is gonna help out, even though he's doing Lord of the Rings. I'm sure he's got time to come over because this this was his idea first, wasn't it? Yeah, this was Cogman's idea. Martin worked on it, and then they shelved it. Again, just the the intrigue angle is interesting to me. Because this idea was shelved. Cogman left to go join Amazon. And then apparently they took it off the shelf. We're like, this is fine. And they ordered it straight to series. <laughs> so, so like, th- th- there have to be things that happened on like a business level that we don't know about. Because obviously somebody's mind was changed. Yeah, yeah. So that's our House of Dragon news. We're excited for it. Uh, be on the lookout for our dream casting uh, article that I myself am going to put out there, um, and I would love to hear all of your you guys that are listening. I'd love to hear your ideas on who would play who. Um, if, if if you got time, the Fire and Blood. This is based on uh, George R. R. Martin's book Fire and Blood. It's not a big long book that takes you forever to read. It's an easy read. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's not a Martin, typical Martin book, so it, you can get through it pretty quick. And, you know, that way you can familiarize yourself with this show. I wonder when they're planning on, when this, I wonder if they're shooting for like a 2021. That would yeah. be the earliest. It can't possibly be 2020. It's, yeah, the no show way. would be too big. I agree. Yeah, it's, the ensemble cast in this show is going to be amazing to watch. I cannot wait to to see the news that's rolling in. So and so is going to play this guy. So and so is going to play that guy. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. I wonder how bad that other pilot was, or just like why they canceled it exactly. Oh I don't know. God. We'll Please never tell know. Me. You think you I'm don't gonna... think HBO will ever? Like, there's not. A, there's not like a 
inside source of somebody that's going to tell like Variety or the Hollywood Reporter. Like, I want to know exactly why they canceled this pilot. Because you're right, just 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 like the first Game of Thrones pilot, we probably will never ever see this pilot. They took that away. My business idea is they should put the failed Blood Moon pilot on a DVD with the failed Game of Thrones pilot and just sell it, and I would buy it. And so oh, a lot of other people. Everybody, just take my money now. I would buy it. Take all the money. All right, so uh, let's move on to our main topic for the night, and it's Watchmen Episode 3. Yeah, we didn't record last week. Uh, I think we're doing this, this the podcast every other week now. Um, and I don't know, Phone, the second episode really of, – of I don't know. The second episode was just a good episode. It wasn't like um, – I don't know. I, I I wasn't too much into it, but I watched it and I enjoyed it. But episode three really blew my hair back. Um, even though I shaved my head, it blew it blew the stubble out. So, uh, phone, uh, give me what your and your thoughts on episode three. Uh, mine's the opposite. I thought episode three was boring. What? What? Episode, really? episode two was better. Yeah, three was probably my least favorite episode so far. That, why? Tell me why. Uh, we'll start off. I really, this is going to sound shitty. I really can't remember everything that happened in it. Uh, I know that there was a lot of Gene Smart telling a bad joke about other heroes to the void that is Mars. Um, I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was a lot of setup, which is needed, obviously, in early, you know, episodes of a show like this. But I thought episode two, where we got to see more of of uh lou gossett jr's character we got more of sister knight and his interactions found out the reveal about her lineage uh found out the clan thing hidden in nash bridges closet uh there was just nash bridges (laughs) there's i just felt like episode two was more i don't know the episode two also i think no, that was the episode three. It's all running together in my brain. Episode three did have the the stuff with the suicide bomber at the funeral, which was a pretense mm-hmm. scene. Three, yeah, yeah. But overall, I I think that uh, and and I'm annoyed at episode three. And let me tell you why. HBO or whoever, uh, whoever was like, hey, you know what we should do is we should just pretend that Jeremy Irons isn't. Osmandius for three episodes, and then and then have this moment that's like, look at this big reveal, and it's like, motherfucker, we've known that since the before the first episode. Like, who else would he be? But um, the the continual killing of clones is something I'm interested in seeing more about. <laughs> I don't know what the shit's going on there, but uh, it's funny to me. You know, they they talk about. Dr. Manhattan has lost his humanity or whatever else, but it's pretty clear that Osmandius has never had any. So there's, yeah, it's just a, there's a lot, there's a lot that happened in the two episodes put together. I just felt like at the end of three, I I wasn't blown away by anything. I I don't know where the car came from. Were they implying that Dr. Manhattan dropped that? I was wondering that. Like, I thought like, were they in either Dr. Manhattan or like, was it Night Owl with his ship? And he was mad because she slept with the little FBI agent. I don't think so, but I'm trying to figure it out. She was laughing. Well, I don't we know. think she's with anybody like in romantic fashion. She had the big blue uh, uh, dildo. Dildo. Yeah, dildo. Yeah, sure. I was trying to think of a funny word for it, but dildo is pretty funny. funny I, I was gonna so. say, yeah, dildo is a funny ass word. That is a funny <laughs> word. Uh, so yeah, I I don't think she's actually dating anyone. It seems like she's pretty jaded. I I was. It was inter- the bank scene. I thought was a little hackneyed, but um, yeah, her her saying to the people like these aren't heroes; they're they're a fucking joke or whatever it was. It's like yeah, we get it. The heroes are better back when you were one. Like so, I see where they're going with that, what they're doing with her character and everything. But you know, I I don't know. I just three didn't grab me as much as two did. I thought it was cooler seeing the car get taken away than seeing the car come back. Well, that's my question is, Lou Gossett Jr. was in the car when it was taken, and he wasn't when it was dropped. So He got out. And he's in a wheelchair. But his wheel is, so he's got to be taken by somebody. And we know, well, we can assume, because the senator said it, Senator Kane's king said it, 
that Night Owl's in prison right now. I guess he he got he got arrested, and Jean Smart's you know she didn't she didn't get arrested. So Night Owl's in jail. She ke- she keeps a pet owl, and that's awesome. That's fucking awesome. And uh, so she's Hashtag got symbolism. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. symbolism. An owl in a cage. Yeah. Uh huh. And I, yep. I mean, honestly, it sounds it looks to me like she flipped and became a snitch or something and kind of a catch me if you can DiCaprio kind of way and yeah. is, you know, probably betrayed why, or the night out to stay out of prison herself or something. And she hates herself for it. Maybe. I don't know. So, well, uh, if, if you guys follow along with the um, the Spitzpedia. Oh, hello, Corey Smith. Nice Ooh, of you to join it's us. Corey Smith. What's up, guys? How are y'all? Okay. All right. <laughs> of course, of course, he sounds like that. Smith, fuck <laughs> off. What's wrong with it? Are you in a tunnel? Are you in a? Are you doing a wind tunnel test? What's going uh, on with you? Did you plug? I'm cutting out, or do I just sound shitty? You sound <laughs> shitty. Did you plug a string with a can on it into your computer yeah. and expect that to work? Uh, are you making a phone call with a rotary phone? It does no. sort of sound like you're six feet underwater. <laughs> this is what G- this is. Hey, listen, this is what Gene Smart's character sounds like to Doctor Who. Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. I say Doctor who because I don't know God. where he is. Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. This is what it sounds like talking to Mars. So, uh, yeah, Dan, go ahead. I was like, could could. Could we fix this, or... Well, <laughs> this is what we do. We'll, this is what... we'll keep going, okay. Um, I kind of had the opposite reaction to uh, Corey Thone. Like, the first two episodes, I thought were good. I was intrigued. I-, I-, I wanted to keep watching. This is the one where I was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. I thought this was... It really kind of... I- I'm not sure what about Gene Smart's character, Agent Blake, we can start calling her, Maybe you said it like it kind of broadened the scope a bit. So now that I understand more of like the sides of this or opened it up a little bit, that now I see more of the world that I like, okay, now I want to know more. I thought she was tremendous. I didn't think it was so much that she thought that heroes of her day were better. I, I read it as more she's disillusioned with the whole idea of masked heroes, which if you read the comic, you know, is she would have plenty of reason to be. Um, right, right, right. Father being the comedian and him being a complete asshole, and Ozymandias, the hero, basically committing a multi-million genocide on people. Um, I thought she played it really well. I, I I loved the sense of humor she brought to it. I loved her conversation with um, Looking Glass, where she just kind of stares him down. And he... I like how she picked seeds out of her teeth in his mask. That was good. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And uh, and he just kind of uh, he folds her. That was great. I liked her at the funeral. I liked her relationship with the younger FBI agent. I just thought it, it gave the show some more texture. Like now Angela has kind of a sort of an adversarial but still sympathetic figure kind of on the inside to battle. It brought in more ideas. Like because the whole thing about the show and the thing about watching the comic originally was that like these are superheroes, but they're superheroes that are kind of more from a a ground's eye view of they're just like people with severe emotional problems who can't function <laughs> without their costumes. Like, you know, Night Owl can't get it up unless he's in a costume. Um, it's uh, true. Ozymandias is, is a megalomaniac who, you know, feels secure and like he can kill most people in his costume. And, and, and we've seen that here. Like, there was that scene in the first episode, or it was the second, I think it was the second, where Sister Night, like, she was going to interrogate um, the dude who's in, I forget. But she, like, freaks out, puts on her costume first, even though oh, you've yeah. seen her, because it's about getting into this role. And I loved that uh, Agent Blake came along and just kind of put a pin in all of that, like, this isn't cool. <laughs> You're not a badass for doing this. You're an emotionally <laughs> disturbed person, and <laughs> this isn't right to be doing. I like the contrast. Where I thought that she was just really, really, really strong. Like from just a performance angle, when she was crying in the phone booth, I loved it. So she brought me in in a way that I hadn't been brought in before. I am now more looking forward to the series because of because of her and because of the episode. I want to know if she's going to kick ass, like you know, because I, she changed. Was she was the Silk Spectre? Now, uh, now, she, and then she became the comedian. I mean, she shot the dude and with one shot, uh, yeah. the suicide bomber guy. 
Yeah, it's true. Right in the head. So I'm looking still forward. Got to it. See- I'm looking forward to seeing what's gonna happen. Like between I, and I love the back and forth between her and Angela Abar. Like I, I was really excited for that, and it didn't disappoint. You know, especially when, especially when Angela did the the wings, the wings on her coffee cup, like. Your 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 owls in a cage, and and that I thought that was pretty good. Like you know, that's the only thing that you notice. Like um, Agent Smith or Agent Blake. I'm sorry, Agent Blake. You're all over it, the place, Smith. man. I am. I'm all over the place. Agent, Agent Smith. I, Agent I, Smith and Doctor Who are in this show. Yeah. Well, I saw that Corey Smith joined again, and I was going to try to get him to give me a. <laughs> Did I join? Oh, there you go. Hey. All right, so I'm gonna throw it to you, Smith. We since we haven't heard from you in a long time. On the yeah, podcast. sorry, having busy having babies and stuff. Ugh, babies. God, you you just a ton of them. All right, so listen, man, we want to know what your thought is on episode three. Did you watch it and get into it, or was it something that you were just like, eh, I can do without? No, I, I think uh, I'm probably closer to what Dan was saying. I think. I liked that it kind of expanded things and we kind of got a, a glimpse of kind of the world that the Watchmen were in, you know, um, with she, you know, she seems kind of like this jaded, you know, ex superhero. Now she works, now she's busy locking them up and she used to be one. So I like that kind of context. I, I will say, I don't know that it might be a little too much too soon though. Um, because I feel like we're still trying to get a, a grip on exactly what what's going on in Oklahoma, right. you know. But I, on its own, I like it. And but yeah, it just kind of. I think we might be expanding a little too fast. I don't know. Some people might be saying we're expanding too slow. But um, I mean, yeah, I like the episode. I'm I'm hooked on the show. I think the show is going to be good. I just I hope. Too. I just hope it just doesn't doesn't go too lost to to Westworld, you know, where they just have a hundred questions and they, you know, they, they paint themselves into an impossible, you know, scenario because they, they make so many questions and then they can't answer them all. Um, so I hope that doesn't happen, but I, I like what's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting show and I, I find, I don't know if you, have you guys talked about all the, the political controversy surrounding it and everything? No, not yet. We haven't. Dare we? Get into it. <laughs> I, I don't want to get into I, the... I really think that there's, in this day and age, that we really need to hear what four white oh, men have to say <laughs> about whatever it is we're about to talk about, because I actually don't even know. But I just no. know that it's necessary. It's important. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, like... <laughs> I'm not trying to like get into the details of it. I just, I find the fact that people are shocked about the, the Watchmen having, you know, societal and political commentary embedded in it when that's basically all the original source material was. Um, And so it's just kind of funny to me that people are getting angry about it because it's like, that's what made Watchmen what it was is that it was different from the rest of, you know, superhero fandom at the time and it deconstructed the the heroes and it showed that they were a product of, you know, kind of the political and societal things that were going on. And now people are upset about it. It's like, well, that's what this is. You know what I mean? So I I don't know. I just find it. It's interesting. It's like, did you even, it's like, you're getting mad about it, but like, I almost feel like the people that are getting mad about it maybe didn't even read the original. You know what I mean? Like, they don't know kind of where this whole thing started. And so it's just kind of, I don't know, funny to me, I guess. That's my, that's my thing is you, you see that online, a lot of people in Twitter. I don't want political garbage in the show I'm watching, but that's all the Watchmen really is, is politics. And then the people that complain about Watchmen being too political are the same people who say, I don't want politics in my Star Wars, when Star Wars is nothing no. but political. So... Right, and that's yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, I don't know, and, and I'm personally, I find it interesting some of the topics they're bringing up about police wearing masks and how they they were doing it to protect them, and and but then the flip side is their their weapons are are very strictly regulated, 
and they don't just walk Cocaine. around with a needle. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I find it interesting. I, I think it's fun to explore that stuff without, and I don't think the show is leaning particularly one way or another. Um, you know, because like I said, they got the mask to protect themselves, but then they can't just, they literally have to call and get permission to get their guns unlocked as opposed to now where they can walk around and do almost whatever they want with them. You know what I mean? So it's, Smith, Smith brings up a question. I, I'm sorry, Smith. I gotta cut you in, cut in here. Go you ahead. know when they went, when they went to the funeral, P, uh, Petey and Agent Blake were, were had to put their guns in that little thing, right? Like they gave him a little holster that locked the guns in and said, you know, no guns allowed at the funeral. But what, right. where where did Agent Blake? Uh, where did she pull her fucking gun from? Her leg. <laughs> yeah, ah, they put, yeah. They showed her putting put her ankle, a, a gun on her leg. Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay, a, I, didn't see, I guess holster. I didn't recognize that part. But, um, I don't know, man. I I think you're absolutely right on, like, this makes me want to explore so many different things that I haven't with other shows. Um, so, but, Phone, now you've got three people here going, yeah, episode three was really good. <laughs> I just I just don't understand what, I mean, like, you, you okay, so you enjoyed episode two. We didn't talk about it. What is there something particularly... That stands out to you in episode two that didn't make you really like episode one or three? It's not that I didn't like episode three. I just thought it was the worst of the three episodes so far. I mean, I mean, it's a bad thing. I not yeah. every episode, not every episode can be, you know, hard home or whatever. Right. So <laughs> this, this was like episodes one and two. I I felt did a lot of world building in episode three, which I, I'm a huge fan. Like that is that honestly, that's my shit. That's why I got into Game of Thrones in the first place was because of the world building that happened in that show. And that's why I love, like, like when I look at the shows that I truly love, it shows that build a- an environment for their characters to operate in. When I'm talking about The Wire or Boardwalk or Justified or whatever. Like, like the their characters extend beyond the people. You have Baltimore, you have uh-huh. Kentucky, you have, you know, uh, Atlantic City. And now with Game of Thrones, you had, you know, Westeros. And, and then with Watchmen, you've got this alternate reality us that has real events that then build it to a split in a timeline to create this universe so that's why i think i was so into it and then episode three wasn't as much about that as much as it was introducing some more characters and uh yeah i just which is fine again agent blake is agent smith if you will uh was hey <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be a great character because gene smart's playing her so i don't have any i don't have to worry about that shit like I, it could be the worst thing in the world, and Gene Smart's gonna crush it. So, uh, I I just I don't know. It just it, the episode to me, it it was strictly character like introducing more layers to his character, which is fine. It's gonna be an I think in that regard, it's gonna be an important episode when the season's over. But it's not gonna be the one that I look back at and go like Dan said. Like Dan said, I was hooked in episode three. I was hooked in the first 10 minutes of the first episode same, when they, same. when they used the Tulsa riots as a jump off point for, it was the, the next world. Season, yeah. And, and maybe it's because I'm such a history nerd and I knew about it. Like they even showed like the national guard, like doing shit. And I'm like, wow, this, this show's really just, it, this show might not be good, but I'm going to ride the wave. Cause this is <laughs> a really ballsy jump off point. And, and it's a lot of the little things I think in episode two as well that really stood out to me was the way that the show, this is what I think HBO does better than maybe any network when they let showrunners create is they, the, how do you say this guy's Damon, whatever Lindelof. Lindelof. Yeah. Um, Lindelof. Lindelof. Uh, he is, he's writing the show on the assumption that we're smart enough to figure some shit out on our own. Yes. And when they started talking about red for rations, Red for race, red for raping. However, they say it. Red for dations. Red for dations. It's reparations that President yes. Redford gave out. Yes. Like that's whatever the whatever the slang word those yokels use is. For example, like at first, I just thought that that was a dumbass racist kid from a dumbass family that was saying something wrong. But then, like later on, other people refer. It took some time to for that to click and what it was. And then in episode two, we get to see what they were talking about with like, if your ancestors were 
part of the race riots and like lost their property, you're going to you're entitled to, uh, you know, compensation for that. Uh, or if you have mesothelioma. So there's a <laughs> like I just that is such a real world thing, like such a real totally. world. That's a conversation right now that reparations is a real conversation that has been really in the forefront this year. And it's just like that world they're building is so fascinating to me. The least fascinating part of it right now, at least as it is, is the stuff that happened in the book, which is what episode three kind of leaned on was a lot of stuff about the, the, the watchmen originally you're talking, you know, uh, silk specter and night owl and all that, like it's just it's built upon a lot of that stuff in the past, which I know is going to be important. But I was just so into those first two episodes and the world they're building. I guess it has been very well conceived, and I completely agree with you that it's an example of HBO trusting the audience, which I, I, I think it's a good contrast with. I watched this week in uh, His Dark Materials, the show they're doing on HBO, which I'm a big fan of that book series, and I was sort of disappointed that like they. There's like a big text crawl at the start of the of the episode, and and, and that world is you know yeah. as complicated as as any other big sprawling fantasy world, whether it's Game of Thrones or Watchmen. And I thought, how much cooler would this have been if they just like let us find this world as it went on, as Watchmen has the confidence to do. And uh, yeah, I've definitely been impressed with how well conceived it's been so far. I have a plot well, question. Oh yeah, I can well, ask you guys. Yeah, what is um, it? Keen, Senator Keen. So, do we think that was a false flag operation? Him getting attacked, just so we can be a martyr and give a speech, or I, what? I do not trust him at all. I, I one hundred percent think that he's connected to the Seventh Cavalry. Do you think they meant to make him look like Beto O'Rourke, or was that just a coincidence? <laughs> I think he just looks like General uh, John F. Kennedy looking, he's very forty something very... kind of thing. Which Beto also, also happens to look like. What's up with his limp? Have, has any anybody else noticed his limp? I have not like, noticed his limp. I didn't know. Unless I'm crazy, he walks with a bit of a. He's got a bit of a hitch in his giddy up, and I'm huh. I'm wondering where that came from too. Uh, they might get, maybe I just didn't look. Maybe I'm dumb, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I I hadn't thought at all about that being a false flag, but that's very Watchmen esque. So. The only thing I'd I mean, say about that, though, is he did have the suicide switch on. And it you know was I mean? connected to his heart. It, it right. So I, I think at the very least, he's taking advantage of the situation, you know, uh, to kind of further his agenda. Um, and they kind of hint at him having an eye for the for the White House down the road. Um, so, I mean, it could be that. I just again the suicide switch kind of throws me once me makes me say no, but at the very least, yeah, he's opportunistic and he's not going to waste uh, well, an attempted murder, you know. Yeah. If it get I mean, like, headlines. And the his best father, uh, his, false flag his... operations involve some element of danger. Like Corey Thone, I know you're a fan of uh, Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Remember when uh, Evil Morty actually got shot to become the president? That's a cartoon. That's a comedy show comparing to a. Serious drama, but I'm saying that if you want to have a good false flag operation, make it look real. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, you know, what made the fault – like, I, I don't know if I – false flags are incredibly hard to pull off. The more – the it's probably what Smith is saying, just, cause just like in Rick and Morty, uh-huh. where, you know, Evil Morty didn't know that his campaign manager was going to shoot him. Right. Uh, but yeah. unless unless they use – because the Rick that did come and tell, you know, campaign manager Morty about it was also outside in space dead, too. So they could have set that up, I guess. But the the more likely thing is they had that happen and then used it just like I mean, that's a very natural political thing is let's use this some way. And, you know, the, the Tulsa senator whose name I can't remember is going to keen. Yeah, he's he's going to definitely use this. Uh, for his advantage, because we've already they've already talked about him having aspirations for the White House. So I yeah, should not, I, I, I regret trying to match Rick and Morty minutia with you. That was stupid <laughs> on my part. No, no uh, it was good. a great was comparison really because yeah. I, it's I can't think of another show with such a direct correlation like of a false flag against a political candidate. So, well, I I was <gasps> bringing more into to King's character, and you know. If you look, and this again, guys, and people listen to this, you have to 
check in every Sunday or Monday. I think it's, I think they update it on Sunday night after the episode. Pedipedia. Um, that's P-E-T-E-Y-pedia, like Wikipedia. And it shows you things that connect to the episode. So, like, Senator King's father is responsible for the law that banned vigilantes in 1977. <laughs> so you've got you got so he's responsible for banning the superheroes, right? And then his father is, and then there's a letter on Pedipedia from his father to the police chief, Judge Jud Crawford, who got hanged. He was um, it, the letter talks about you know that 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 picture from the second episode, um. The, it, the the episode's name is actually the epi- the picture of the painting. So um, let me see. If I, I was can... wondering that. What was yeah. this episode's name about? Because the last two it. were both pretty clear. Oh, uh, that uh, well. So two was like Marshall feats by Comanche right. warriors or something like that. Horsemanship. And... Marshall feats of Comanche horsemanship. That's the yes. name of the painting that was then, that was hanging in Crawford's house. The first one was Oklahoma. Right, and then this one was. She got killed by space junk or something like that. What does it mean? Well, I mean, because she almost got killed by the the dropping car. Oh, is that it? There's no like deeper pun or something. I, I, I don't I think, think so. I, I was I was going for a you know she got killed by space junk because she was he had that big blue dildo and we all know that um Doctor <laughs> Manhattan's in space so there you go. <laughs> But we don't know who's Bam. picking up cars with magnets and dropping them. So we don't know what's going on there. So, yeah. uh, but there is a theory. There is a theory on Reddit that I really, Dan, you, you and I talked about this today. There's a theory on Reddit that says um, Dr. Manhattan is keeping Ozymandias or Adrian Veidt on Mars. And if you look at that at the first episode, I think they showed the TV screen. It's on. It's in the trailer for this for the series. Um, Doctor Manhattan has a castle that looks exactly like um, Ozymandias' castle in the show. So what the the theory is is that Doctor Manhattan is using an alternate reality on Mars and keeping Adrian Veidt there, and that's why he's sending up his clone to to try to break through. I think she's trying to get back to Earth. That's what the that's what the theory is. Uh, Bone, you're big. You're big into theories. What do you think about that? So, not gonna lie, I uh, got a text message that I was reading when you were talking because I assumed you're gonna throw it to Dan because <laughs> I just got done talking a lot. So, <laughs> that's fine. well, Dan, you you and I talked about it. So, you think the theory holds I, up? I, I think it's a good theory too. But go ahead, Dan. Oh no, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Smith. I'm not used to you being on the podcast. I apologize. Ooh, no, no, it's okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No need for that. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably true. After that little comparison, picture by picture, you showed me, um, it looks like that's where we're yeah. going. Um, now, the answer, the question is, why is he out there in the first place? I, you know what? I, I wasn't sure that I would like the Jeremy Irons sections because I'm so divorced from it. But um, I am getting into him, and he's just terrific, right? Like when he was getting frustrated and stamping the uh, frozen body into the ground. <laughs> like he, he, he's showing a real flair for comic stuff. Like he, he's carrying those sections perfectly well. Um, yeah, I am into those bits as their own little kind of comic vignettes at this point. And like, nice I little contrast to the rest of the stuff that's going on. Smith, are you into that? Because I'm. I was really. I'm into the whole like wondering why. There's an anniversary. Why? Why do they have to celebrate an anniversary every time he comes in? Um, I mean, overall, I don't know how much I'm into it because um, I think it's going to be a like something we check in every single episode. Just to, and then at the end of the season, we're going to learn one thing, and so it's kind of a little bit like we're. It's a lot of time to put into that. But as far as the cake thing, to me, seems to me that's it's not. It's more of like. I think that's a signal to us that these scenes are taking place a year apart um, and that we're checking yeah. in with him once a year. I don't think that it's necessarily like he's getting a cake yeah. every single day. You know what I mean? Like he comes in for breakfast and then right. there's a cake. I think it's that's something where they're trying to show us this is we're just checking in with him because really he's not doing anything 
And that makes sense if he's if he's in prison by Dr. Manhattan, his day to day, you know, what I mean, like it's going to look the same. We're, we don't need to and check in with him every single day. Getting from Mars to Earth using like a Victorian era technology wouldn't be something you do in a matter of days, I guess. I guess it would be right. a year long exactly. project. Right, right, right. Exactly. Right. So he's I think that the cake is showing us. Every time we check in, that's a year apart, and he's still in prison there, and he's still trying to get out. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the point of that. I, I mean, again, I, I don't necessarily dig that whole little little section because it is so divorced from everything that's going on. You know, I feel like sometimes we get re- – in the first three episodes, we've kind of gotten really into, you know, like the – the plot that's going on. And then we jump over to, to Ozymandias and it's kind of a little jarring to kind of pull us out of what was going on back in Oklahoma. Yeah. But Dan, um, I, Dan, I agree with you on irons pulls everything, every scene off. Like obviously he's, he was going to, when we, when we found out he was cast, we all, you know, I, I, I think I, I assumed the day he was cast that he'd be playing Adrian Veidt. I think we talked about that. And and he pulls those scenes off so well, and like um, the typewriter scene where he's responding to the game warden, who tells him <laughs> at the who tells him at the end of the letter, "Thank you for the tomatoes," and they were lovely. And at the end of Adrian White's letter, it was like, "Oh yeah," and I'm glad you enjoyed the tomatoes. Like I want to know who the game warden is. Is it an, a clone of of his butler, or is it an an alternate reality version of Doctor Manhattan? Because you know Manhattan can split himself into different, different, different. Like he can make different versions of himself and split them all apart. He didn't we didn't we learn that in the um, in the graphic oh, yeah. novel? He, he so we know that whatever. he can do that. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoy. I know. I I get. I understand Smith. What you're saying. It is jarring. It is very jarring to go from like the like Angela Avar, like when she's Sister Knight, like Regina King's character. Like I'm so into her, and, I'm, and I love watching every scene she's in. And then all of a sudden, boom, we jump into um, Adrian Veidt, and it's completely different. So I get what you're saying. I understand that. I kind of just enjoy, like, it's kind of like, almost like a commercial break. I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, and again, it's that. not to say that Jeremy Irons isn't acting the hell out of that. I mean, it's just it's just a little, the, the pacing is a little jarring. But he's definitely in space. And, yeah, probably up on Mars, you know, just kind of like a side project for Dr. Manhattan while he's doing this is, whatever It's officially the, uh, the R plus L equals J of Watchmen. We all know it, <laughs> just waiting for it to be revealed. Yeah, because, I mean, the guy was frozen, right? So clearly he stepped out of whatever little prison into the, you know, Mars, yeah. into Mars where sure. there's no atmosphere and immediately froze to death. So, I mean, yeah, he's clearly up in space. I just... I wonder where we're going with it, like what what the point of it all is. You He's know, going be... to build a Leonardo da Vinci-esque bicycle-controlled airplane and fly back to Mars somehow, to Earth somehow with it. Uh, be really, I'd, really be more, <laughs> I'd be more interested if we, if we saw um, Vite and Dr. Manhattan kind of conversing. Um, I'm sure we will eventually. Oh, I know, man. but I, like I'd love to see them kind of going back and forth still, like up there on Mars, and they're still debating what what Vite did back on Earth and the results and all that stuff. I'd love to see that kind of conversation, but this one, I mean, I'm sure it'll go somewhere, but we'll see. You know, um, the next episode is if you don't like my story, write your own. Uh, <laughs> So I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be a, a Adrian Veidt heavy story because heavy episode because think about he's writing stories right he's he, like he's he's using he's using his butler and I, I haven't seen his maid except for when they're doing the double Crookshanks Crookshanks yeah Crookshanks and and Phillips I think is who they are but um there I would just like to see you're right like we don't even know who's playing Doctor Manhattan. But we know that at some point on Earth, a blue hand bends down and picks up a blue mask. So we, that was from the trailer. And that could be a big, huge MacGuffin. I don't know. But I'm just wondering, Corey Thone, just how far 
Damon Lindelof is willing to take this Dr. Manhattan thing. Are we going to see him soon enough? Because we don't, like I said, we don't, this, this will probably be the biggest reveal of the show is when Dr. Manhattan shows up. Uh, yeah, I think we see him and I, I think it's in that final episode. I think it'll be, it'll be like everything's, you know, I don't know where they're going to go with this story. Uh, so let's say that the theory that Adrian invites in like Manhattan prison or whatever is, mm-hmm. is the case. Why? That's the yeah. big take. That's the big takeaway for me from that theory is Absolutely. in, in the book. Uh, if I remember correctly, the quote was basically, I don't condone what you did, but I understand it. And yeah, we're not gonna, yeah, we're not going to undo it. You know, it, and, and he goes to Mars. Yeah, but they undid it. They talked about that this episode. Huh? What? They talked hmm? about how they had the conversation about how Adrian Veidt dropped the squid on the on New York City to prevent a war. Who I said mean, that? Lori Blake told that to God on oh, Mars telephone. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. She yeah, didn't tell that. Like, she knows yeah. it. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My bad. Okay. So. Smith, am I right, everybody? So anyway, I I just I that's that's my question. And so if if Dr. Manhattan is still thinking, well, Veidt should be punished for this. So I'm going to strand him on, you know, this livable portion of Mars I've created or something, uh, then that would imply that Dr. Manhattan still had some idea of humanity left. So maybe this show is going to build up to Dr. Manhattan coming back. Cause he's like, wow, you guys really have gone to shit since I went to Mars. <laughs> and I guess I need to come back here and fix it or something. I don't know. I don't know why they bring him back. Um, but I, I'm interested in, I do think that we see him this season. And I think that if we're going to talk dream casting here, uh, Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh my god, I, guys! I, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I have a uh, two quick points. I don't see if they're quick. Um, I think that they went out of their way to point out that Adrian Veidt was around after the squid drop, that he made public appearances, then he then he disappeared eventually. So I think something happened between those two times to get him sent to Manhattan jail on Mars. I think like and and that's what I want to know as to what was it. I think that'll be the uh, mystery that they build up to. The other thing I want to mention is that Lindelof has said that he and his team built this thing to be self-contained, that this isn't really designed to be a what's going to happen in season two situation. I'm not sure there there will be a season two. So if we're going to see Dr. Manhattan, I I think we'll see him like, like not at the last episode. It's like a cliffhanger. I think he'll be around sooner because I think this thing has to work as an eight, nine, however many long episodes it is, complete story. Now, whether they make six season two anyway, we'll see. But as well, far as okay. I know, this is a, a self-contained thing, which I think you, is great. You know who's great at making self-contained stories <laughs> that don't sprawl at all? Damon Lindelof. The Leftovers <laughs> creator, Damon Lindelof? Uh, the Leftovers, the book of Nora that everybody talks about. Yeah. So <laughs> No, I, I, I didn't know that, Dan, that they had said that this – are they not? Were they not planning on having a season two at all, or is it more that they thought this is too fucking weird? This Lind- isn't going to get renewed. Lindelof, <laughs> Lindelof has said in the interviews that he that they built this to stand on its own. Now I, I don't know. Maybe he like knows that like I shouldn't do a sprawling thing. It's my worst instinct. I will fuck it up. So we'll just make this one season, or whether there's like an option, or whether he's leaving an escape valve or what. All I know is that he's talked about we built this to to be a self-contained story, like a sequel to the Watchmen graphic novel. This is Watchmen, the eight-episode show. And again, and you know, a lot of like, know, uh, blank space there, but uh, that's 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 what he has said. Well, you know what the what their HB. This was like the highest-rated uh, series premiere. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to bring up. So like HBO is gonna throw all the money at him. Yeah, I, mean, I gotta we'll I gotta think we're gonna see a season two. Um, and if he did make it self-contained, in a way that almost lends itself to a season two because then you're not constrained by having to continue the story. I mean, you could kind of we could go somewhere else, you know, move to 
somewhere other than Tulsa next have season a or something like that. Different alternate universe where Barbara Streisand has been president for the past forty years. <laughs> well, actually, I've 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 been hearing some from some uh, some people people that got advanced episodes to review that episode six is going to be like transformative, like it's going to be amazing. Like people like when they when they watched episode six. They were like, they were telling me, oh my god, I want to tell you about it. It's so amazing, but I can't, like, I don't mind spoilers. People, I, I tell them all the time, just tell me spoilers. It helps me write articles anyway. Tell me spoilers. And I was told that they did not want to tell me about episode six, that I needed to see it for myself before they I know what happens. So, you know what happens? In, oh, yeah. In episode six? So, so you, that, that person... My like, source are, talked... Our common friend told you, didn't she? Anyway. Um, yeah, so, like, the title of episode six is The Extraordinary Bean, B-I-N-G. So that could be Dr. Manhattan's uh, entrance into the episode. So I don't know. There's a lot of – like, episode eight is A God Walks Into a Bar. And we all know so, – so, you know, there are a lot of – and what what did um, what did Agent Blake t- say in the joke that she she, rec- she like she said Doctor Manhattan was a god so Doctor Manhattan being a god talking to God that was part of the joke so you know a god walks into a bar in episode eight I think he comes in halfway through the season I don't think you introduce Doctor Manhattan in the in the finale I don't think you do that I think he's too much of there's too much fanfare and there's too much. Um, excitement being built up to see who plays him and what he's going to do in, in the season. Am I wrong? Anybody? Jump in. Well, now that I know it's only eight episodes, I think you're... And that it's no, there's to be more than self- eight. Oh, there's I thought Dan said it was just eight. I thought there was ten. I eight or nine or ten. I'm not really sure. All I know is okay. that it's supposed to self-contain. But it okay, if it's, ten, if, yeah, it's ten episodes, it's ten. if it's ten episodes and it's supposed to be a stand-on-its-own season... With a complete arc that maybe leaves something for a season two possible, but is its own arc, then I'm gonna say episode eight. End of episode eight, we'll see Doctor Manhattan on Earth, and then you'll have yeah. nine and ten to deal with that. What if Adrian Veidt is working on a a way to make himself Doctor Manhattan? <laughs> what if he's trying to do that? I mean, he already found a way in the novel to disguise his actions from Dr. Manhattan and to replicate his like aura or whatever you want to call his energy field. So I, I, that would make sense. He, he fancies himself Dr. Manhattan's equal, even though he's not. So, right. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. FYI, it is nine episodes. Nine. I see. I, yeah, well, Wiki's got nine episodes, but, but just, are you going off of what Wiki has Dan? Yeah. Well, maybe they don't – because for a while there, there was only eight episodes that were on here, oh. and they just added nine. So maybe – We have no idea. How we many have no idea. There are, there are probably just, 18. We're just hanging it all out here talking about big blue dongs by uh, Dr. Manhattan. So, um, And that's a magnificent bean. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week's episode. <laughs> well, listen um, – I don't know unless unless you guys have any really just like hot takes about episode three that you want to talk about before we wrap this episode up. Um, jump in at any time you can. Um, so I think that is pretty exciting. Smith, you missed our talk about House of the Dragon, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of time to tell us what your opinion is. Um, what what are you excited for House of the Dragon? Yeah, I mean. I kind of take myself out of it. I would have been excited for kind of any era of the show just because I love the mythology. Um, but I think uh, I, I'm sure y'all talked about this, but I, you know, my testimony from the beginning uh, was I always thought it, the, the long night was a really odd choice uh, for the prequel um, series, just because I think it was going to look so incredibly different um, from what, fans liked about game of thrones so i think house of the dragon is going to look a lot more similar uh while being different you know different characters and you know 
different things going on. Obviously, a lot more dragons, um, but still similar enough that people will enjoy it. So I'm excited about it. I mean, the the fire and blood. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on in there. Um, the Targaryens are, you know, even the the good ones are just wild and crazy and have all kinds of things going on. So, um, and then if they build up to Dance of the Dragons, obviously, you know, that's kind of a a nerd's wet dream um all the dragons fighting so i'm excited i think it'll be a little easier for them i don't know how they're gonna get the the budget i mean you know all that all the dragons i mean all we ever heard about during game of thrones was how much drogon was eating up the budget for basically everything else right we we talked in every four years we we talked about that about how yeah that if 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 dragons are that expensive, we're about to have like shitloads of dragons. Like the CGI was never, was never like the highlight of Game of Thrones. <laughs> so no, I, and that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, yeah, I don't. I mean, the CGI. Yeah, the CGI was never what I turned in for, and I don't think a lot of people. I think it was they made it good, and it was it was very well done. But it wasn't like this is what you're looking for as a visual spectacle, but. Yeah, so I, I, I'm excited. Um, I think it'll be good. I mean, it's going to be obviously a few years before we get anything. Um, I like the fact that uh, Sapo Chink is, is the one who's the co-showrunner. Um, because Sapochnik. He was uh, always one of the more solid Game of Thrones directors. Um, and so I'm excited that he's going to, you know, that they brought somebody that was experienced in that world and shooting that kind of stuff um, along. And he was one of the better directors. I, I kind of would have liked Cogman to be involved, um, but he went off to Amazon, right? Yeah. David yeah. has a, uh, a wild theory that he'll make a surprise appearance and be back on the creative team. We'll see. I, th- I think you'll hear some news. I mean, yeah, he's got a deal. He's got a, um, his deal with Amazon is so he can create his own shows over there, like if he wants to. Yeah. They put him on Lord of the Rings, which is a pretty big deal. I just don't know. Like, okay, so like you, Smith, you mentioned we won't we won't see anything for years to come. I I think that HBO is there's nobody who markets anything better than HBO. Like you like they build up to shows that we will not see, and they start doing the marketing, and it's like anything. That's nothing that anybody could talk about except for what they're building up to. So, like, you know, season eight, the, the, the build-up to season eight was amazing. And so what I'm thinking for Game of Thrones is what I'm saying. I apologize. I didn't make that clear. But um, so what I'm thinking is we're going to start hearing in 2020, probably halfway through, we'll start hearing people people who's being cast. Maybe in early 2020, we'll see people who are being cast because – and then we're going to start seeing news about filming news and blah, blah, blah. I think you're going to see House of the Dragon as an early 2022 uh, series. 2020. See, I, I kind of think 2021 um, because this isn't, you know, they've, they've been working on it for a while. Um, I mean, you know, they were developing kind of all of them simultaneously and, um, George R. R. Martin kept saying that they weren't dead. They weren't dead. They were still working on the other ones. So I kind of feel like we're going to start getting casting news early next year. And then that they're going to film over the fall and, you know, kind of fi- follow that typical Game of Thrones filming schedule. I think and, waiting to 2022 would be a big mistake. Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't see them okay. waiting. Yeah, they're, on, they're, they're on a deadline here. I mean, I don't want to make this podcast run three hours long. I, I keep it short, but, um, I mean, from what I understand, the way they're going to do the Dance of the Dragons is, just just to be clear, like, there is more to this than just dragons fighting. Like, there are a lot of right. Oh, yeah. Ab- no. with people yeah. talking at parties, at weddings, at gatherings. Like, I can see, like, the scene where Rhaenyra and Alicent Hightower come out wearing the red and the green dresses being, like, a giant climactic moment. And all that is is just two women in a dress. Like, if, if, like that's not going to take giant special effects stuff. I mean, if so, I'd say 2021, even with dragon effects, which don't have to like be super duper crazy in the first. Well, season. The, yeah, I was gonna say in the it's, first it's season there won't be. Yeah, the first season there won't be that much. You know, it'll be more of like 
first season of Game of Thrones where a lot of it's just building towards thing and not it's a whole lot be, actually happens. Yeah. There still will be tons of dragons because in 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 Fire and Blood to the build up to the Dance of Dragons, they're like every kid who's born into the Targaryen line, they get an egg and the egg they put the egg in the in the basket with which each with each one. And so they're they're raised with their dragons, basically. Rhaenyra, her dragon. I mean, and I I forget all the names. And you're right, Dan. This this podcast shouldn't go three hours long, but you know there is a lot to talk about in the Dance of Dragons. Um, you're gonna see two main, like you know, on Game of Thrones there was King's Landing, and then everybody else had their own castles, right? So like it was basically Winterfell. And King's Landing in the in the very la- in the last couple of seasons, we're going to see a lot of action take place at Dragonstone, in and around Dragonstone, and you're going to see that like the different political drama between the Blacks and the Greens, and um, how each kid is born and how each one uh, how their succession to the line in, in the line. Of the Iron Throne, because the Iron Throne is there, and it's very much the drama is very much wrapped around the Iron Throne. Who's going to wear the crown? So I'm very excited to see this show, how it comes together, um, and the dragons are exciting because they're you know even in the first beginning of the Dance of Dragons, there are dragon battles like large the larger dragons, like even like um, Aegon's sister wives. There, they have a dragon. Uh, who is it? I believe it's um, Visenya's dragon lives to the Dance of Dragons. It's like the largest v- dragon no. I've ever seen. Vagar. Her? I think it's Vagar. Vagar. Vagar is the name of the dragon. Because Maraxes so. gets killed down in Dorne. Yeah, and and Dro- and what's his name? Uh, Balerion doesn't live to the Dance of Dragons. He gets sick because he takes one of the Targaryens over to. Valyria, and when he comes back, he's got like all this 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 damage to him. Like he's he dies. We know that Drogon. I know you're not Drogon. You can't call him Drogon. Valerian flies away and dies. We know that. So anyway, um, I'm I'm rambling. And Smith, thanks for joining us. Uh, you and I could talk about this different aspects of the Dance of Dragons all day. So maybe in one podcast we'll just do that. We'll just ramble about Dance of Dragons. Um, so is any, like, let's wrap this up so, so we can call it good. Uh, Corey Smith, thanks for joining phone and Selkie. Thanks for being part of this podcast and my, as my guest. Um, well, actually phone phone, you're not a guest. Uh, you're always here. So, um, let's wrap this podcast up. So thanks for joining us. We'll talk about, um, I, I don't think we're going to do a podcast next week. We're going to do it every other week. Unless the episode of Watchmen just kind of, you know, oh my god, we got to talk about it immediately. So, um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Let us know in the comments uh, what you think about Dance of Dragons. And if you were watching Watchmen and you have some comments you want to you want us to talk about, we'll give you a shout out in the next podcast. So for myself, for Dan Selke, for Corey Dunn, and Corey Smith, this has been Take the Vibe, Vlad and Magulis.